Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. It's because I, I wanted to save it towards the end a little bit. Uh, abiding means to have an experience. Uh, now, now, keep in mind, our Christianity is not experientially driven necessarily. I mean, it is, but, but there's truth behind it. So, but to abide means that something has happened in your life that makes it impossible for you to ever dismiss what God has done. Uh, and so I often wonder if, if we talk about things so that they are so exciting. Um, man, this week we've been having sports conversations about March Madness, and I watch people have full-on relationship-ending discussions about their bracket. And um, I thought someone said brisket, and I got hungry, and they said, no, I said bracket. I, what's a bracket? Oh, oh, March Madness. Okay, okay, okay. And, um, and you've been following a guy named Zion. Uh, Zion's not a person. It's the city of God, and you need, you need to remember that. Um, uh, but I've been listening, you know, to, we get so excited about certain things. Some people get so excited about what God is, about what God is doing, it's, it's almost like they won the Super Bowl. Um, what, you know, when God came into your life, it, it was Super Bowl Sunday for your spirit, and you won. And it was a complete blowout, a complete wipeout of the enemy's plan for your life. And sometimes I wonder why we don't approach our Christianity in the same way that we get excited and approach other things in life. And I think it's because somehow along the way, we lose the process or the experience of walking through our everyday life with Jesus. So that, so that you ha are having experiences on a day-to-day -day basis that are so transformational for you that no one will ever be able to say to you that you haven't been transformed. That the word of God has had such an impact on your life and the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the tangible felt presence of God in everything that you do is taking you to a place that you have never been before. And so there's something about abiding. You know, I abide in the vine and I, you know, all those great verses, but, but abiding means that you are connected to something that no one's ever gonna take away from you. Right. Because the truth of God is... so. Part of this day-to-day -day peace has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a specific role in our lives, and the Holy Spirit helps us to abide. In other words, this morning, I want to talk abiding, about abiding in the Holy Spirit just for a minute. And, and you know, I, I felt the, the worship this morning was just so good. I honestly... Uh, I didn't even want to preach. I just wanted to keep worshiping. I wanted to tell them, go back to the first song. Let's do it all over again. <laughs> That's the way I, what I was feeling, right? But then the responsibility, I feel responsible. Uh, but there's something about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God that is so important for your day-to-day -day life. And so, you know, we have this incredible truth called the, the Trinity of God, the great, the great wonderful mystery in Scripture that starts in Genesis when, it's, when it says, the first few verses of Genesis says, and we created them. 
In, in the first part of Genesis, and people have asked for a thousand, thousands of you, oh, the we. Who is the we? Well, we understand that, that the we is this, this, this group, this three-part God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You hear us say that when we baptize people. Um, if you've never been to church before, before I was a Christian, the Holy Spirit, I, I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. Um, I just knew I'd heard it on a few movies or something. Um, you know, uh, if, if you come from a different expression of Christianity, the Holy Spirit might, might mean something else to you. The Holy Spirit could be, um, uh, you, you say the Holy Spirit is Jesus, and there's different theologies about who it is. If you're Catholic, the Holy Spirit has, has, has a huge role in the, in the life of the church. So we all have maybe, because we, because we come from different places, we might have a different thought about what the Holy Spirit is. But what I want to say to you this morning is this, that when Christ comes into your life, we have the incredible benefit of having the Holy Spirit in us and walk with us for the rest of our days. And, and what does that mean? It means that in every experience that you have in life, the Holy Spirit is with you. Now, you've heard a few verses, right? If you're, a, if you're an old school Pentecostal people, any old school Pentecostal people in the room? Okay, see, you always scream louder than the rest. And, and I, just, I just need you to humble yourselves, y'all. I just need you to, okay? Um, but it, but if, you're, if you're the old school, you know, we, everybody knows about the Holy Spirit because, because in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down in tongues of fire and rested upon everyone and they all spoke to each other and though they were from different nations, they all understood each other in their same language. And, and so we, we talk about these verses, if you're a charismatic, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're from another religion, the Holy Spirit has this idea of reverence. We have to be reverent in front of the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, but I don't know what reverent, what does reverent mean? Because reverent, if reverent means quiet, which I don't think it does biblically, I think reverence is a position, right? Because in, in the Bible, there's only, and I, I think I did a message on this like eight years ago, but in the Bible, there are only two places in, in all of scripture where it says to be quiet. There's only two. Um, and one is a funeral and one was a curse in the Old Testament. And then there are over 800 places in the Bible where it says reverence means to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to clap and to sing and to, and to play the lyre. I don't even know what the lyre is. It, 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 it's, there's, there's some instrument out there It was called a, a lyre, but what a horrible name to give to something. It's a lie. Um, so to have the harp and, and the trumpet and the, and, and to, and the drums and to, and to dance and sing. And in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle of David, the Holy Spirit comes down. They're having these experiences, okay? So, but reverence, if reverence means to be quiet, I, I, don't, I don't know if that, I have a conflict. So the Holy Spirit simply stated one of the three parts of the Trinity, a person of God that is with you for the rest of your life, that is in you and is with you for the rest of your life. Abiding in the Holy Spirit is the understanding that you are never alone. He is with you. That's the title of my message, and it won't be long today because I know where we're at here time-wise. But I want everyone to say, with you. Now, I want you to say out loud, he is with me. Okay, so let me read you a couple of verses. We'll just see how far we get here, but, but I am really praying that the work of the Holy Spirit in our congregation uh, begins to rise. 
And I know that it already has. God's been doing some incredible work, but the, but the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, but the way that happens is not just in miracles because miracles are the outworking of the relationship in the sense that you have to know what you're believing for and you have to know that the Holy Spirit is with you and God's made you promises and the Holy Spirit's gonna help you through that and speak to you. But let me, let me, let me give a little context here. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 13, we have the first expression of the Holy Spirit. Not the first one in terms of the timeline, but where the Holy Spirit begins. Let me read this to you. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. So we have one Spirit, and we have one spiritual body. You can't have one spiritual body with multiple spirits. You have to have one body and one spirit. So when you become a Christian, when God regenerates you, when he comes into your heart, the Holy Spirit regenerates you. That's the, the biblical Greek word of, of regeneration. Your spirit has gone from death to life. You, you had an old life, now you have a new life. John, John chapter three says you were born again. You were reborn, right? So this is where all of us in the body have the Holy Spirit inside of us working and walking with us and speaking to us and loving us because now we are different than I used to be and God is in me. He's not just around me. He's in me working through me. The same person, the same Holy Spirit for us is the same Holy Spirit for the church down the street, the church on the other side of the city, whether their church says Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Charismaniac, uh, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, it's the same Holy Spirit that we all have. We are all brothers and sisters. But what happens is, is that we, we get caught up on the outer, on the other works of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes what we believe about the other power or the dunamis works of the Holy Spirit actually causes division in the body of Christ. And so when we're actually supposed to be having unity because we're all in one body and we're all of one spirit, we take the works, we, we, we uh, put the works into the middle of the journey and we begin to compare the works. And so we have disunity in the body of Christ. That's why every single week, and I didn't do it this morning, forgive me, Lord, but, but we always pray for every single church in, in the whole city. Because I don't care what the name of the church is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what denomination, non-denominational uh, kind of a, a church they are. It doesn't matter because we're all brothers and sisters. Come on, somebody. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, the works, the works of God... Some of the other works have a different, a different kind of flavor to them. Now, I want you to turn uh, to the book of Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And I want to show you a verse that starts the journey for what the other works of the Holy Spirit are. So we all have the Holy Spirit. We're all, we all love God. He's in us. But then the Holy Spirit isn't just here to exist in us. He's actually inside of us to help us get to where God's calling us to go. So there's a journey involved here. And how many of you in the room know that sometimes you just can't do it on your own? 
There are just absolutely moments where I am so weak and so tired, I know without the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, he doesn't do, he doesn't do things for me, he does things in spite of me. He, he fulfills his promises in spite of me. Let, me. let me show you chapter three, verse 11. Chapter three, verse 11 says, now you remember this, John the Baptist is in the river. People are, are he's baptizing people. Jesus is actually standing in the crowd, but nobody knows who he is yet. John the Baptist and Jesus are first cousins. John the Baptist knows who Jesus is, and they're going through this, this incredible process of, tra- of, of going from the Old Testament into the New Testament. This is, this is the, the river, the, the river they're standing, the Jordan River. It's the transition point from the old into the new. And this is what John the Baptist says. He says, hey, that's not actually in there. Hey. <laughs> I say hey a lot. Hey. I baptize you with water. So he's, he's baptizing people and people are challenging him. Who do you think you are baptizing people in, in this person's name? Now I want you to just keep in mind that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the truth is they didn't really care, care about the baptism at all. All they cared about was is that whoever baptized, uh, got to baptize, it was a symbol of authority. So if somebody else was baptizing in someone else's name, it actually meant that they were losing authority or power over the people, right? So, so <laughs> the baptism in water was this huge statement. We're going to baptize a bunch of people next week. There's a bunch of people signed up. People have been publicly uh, being baptized to say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus. This is the symbol of my death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, but back then, if you were baptized, there were seasons where it was a death sentence for you. People, people would go into the water and come out of the water and realize that that was the end of their life. That they, they, were, they were committing a kind of holy suicide because they knew they would be executed. Baptism was a really good, one of the best ways for us to connect with our brothers and sisters who lived 2018, 19 years ago is public baptism to say what you, what you guys paid for with your blood. We're going to live out in the spirit. Because look what he says. Now I want you to see the difference here. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. I'm sorry for what I did, Jesus. Come into my life. God, I love you. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. And, 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 and he actually was standing in the crowd during this season. He's watching this take place, Jesus. Whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So this, this is not, this is not the the Holy Spirit that resides in us as Christians. This Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit inside of you says, I'm gonna fulfill the promises that I made to you. And if it takes me getting fired up and bringing some power, moving through you and power to do it, that's what we're gonna do. Because you are now a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And you now now have a kingdom, a kingdom inheritance of, pow- of the power and the authority of God to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to see your chains fall off, to see your chains broken off, to take the church from 12 people and within 52 years to reach every part of the unknown world 
all of these men would ultimately lose their life, but out of that, 2019 years later, there are millions and millions and millions of Christians and, and uh, spirit-led baptism, spirit-baptism Christianity is 80% of the world's Christian population right now, and the fires of revival are burning across the planet faster than they have ever burned in human history. It's, it's unstoppable. It's a, it's a wildfire of God. It's not, just, it's not just this God's in me. It's no, God says I'm in you and now do you want to use my tools or do you not want to use my tools? And he says, I'm going I'm to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with fire. And oftentimes we don't like to talk about the fire. We talk about the refiner's fire, right? And this, this is like, there is no way I'm going to finish my message. I'm not even, I, this, I, no, 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 wait, wait. I'm not even to point number one yet. It's right here. It's right there. Two and a half inches below the title. And, and there's, not, it's not, there's not a chance. So we don't like to talk about that, but we like the refiner's fire. If you're an old school vineyard person, oh my gosh. If you're a three chord song Christian, <laughs> if you're a GCD believer, Refiner's fire, my heart. There's not many of us left. There's really not. <laughs> There's not. There's just not. Um, is this. Refiner's fire. Lord, you come and burn away everything in me that's bad. I want to be refined in the fire, and it's a good thing, and by the way, it's the right thing. How, if you ever, who's ever been through the fire? Anybody? Anyone? You, you're in it, you're like, I don't like it. When you get out of it, you're like, I'd never want to go through it again, but I'm glad it happened because I've been refined. This fire is not this. This fire is this. It's not this, it's this. In the name of Jesus, Acts chapter three, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have to give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. There are, there's two kinds of fire. But the truth is, is that the fire, the fire does start somewhere. I want to, like, what is, what is fire here? I mean, because what, what he was talking about, he said to all the Pharisees on the bank, he said, hey guys, there's something you need to know. The ax has already been laid to the root of the tree, and every branch that does not pr produce good fruit, basically you're all hypocrites, right, um, is going to be cut down and cast into the fire. So part of the fire is, is this, but it results in this because if you're having this thank you God you are transformed and now you are abiding in something that then turns around and turns into this thing in, in the gospel of Matthew called the great commission you he said to Peter you are now called Peter Simon and now upon you you are the rock and upon you I shall build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so the fire, 
His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into the barn and burn up all the chaff with an unquenchable fire. So this fire, this fire is amazing because fire has some qualities to it that nothing else has, nothing. So fire, fire is really great at burning things up, right? Okay, so what in my life needs to go, okay? But then when it comes to the Great Commission and purpose, as long as I keep putting fuel on the fire, have you noticed that the word here is unquenchable? As long as the fire has something to burn, it will burn. The fire is all-consuming. The fire will never go out. Fires don't have to be squelched, quenched, and put out and, and left to disappear. A fire, as long as it has something to burn, it will continue to burn, and it will fulfill its very unique purpose on the planet. There is nothing else like it. As long as you put something on it, it will consume it. The fire of God in us, as we lay our life onto the purpose of God, God says, give me more of your life, let's go. Give me more of your attitudes, I'll change them. Give me more of your, your emptiness, I will fill it. Give me more of, of you not knowing what you're even on this planet for, and I'm gonna put purpose into your life. Give me more of your, of, of your thoughts, and I'll change your mind. Give me more of your bondages and your chains, and I'll break them. Give me more of, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, and I'll send you to Africa. Uh, give me more of, you know, give, give me more of your heart for the city and, and I'll send revival. Give me more, give me more of your time and I'll open up my Bible and the word of God to you. Excuse me, give me more of, of give me more. And as long as, as God's people are putting things onto the fire, you see, uh, you, we, can, we can do this all day, but as soon as this begins to happen, that fire begins to burn. And what we see in the, in the gospels is that from this point, until the time that maybe the Apostle John uh, went to be with Jesus, we see a massive revival of thousands and tens of thousands of people that swept the known world, and the world was on fire. Was on fire. And so the Holy Spirit is the, is the, the part of God that continually, not just baptizes us with regeneration but baptizes us with fire yeah. we don't talk about that a lot what is it to be baptized with fire means somebody needs to be willing to change the world i'll change you but it's not just for you it's it's for the whole world when people are on fire for Christ, when the Holy Spirit is baptizing people, when people are, are on fire, they, they do things they would have never done in a normal context. Some of you are the most shyest, introverted people on the face of the planet. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you are the boldest evangelist. I have seen people completely transformed into something that they were not before. God knew who they were, but they didn't know who they were. You know, when I was, when I was uh, 19, 20 years old before, before I found Jesus, God knew who Doug Lassett was, but I didn't know. God had to transform me, baptize me, fill me with fire to get stuff out so that I could, I could live the life that he wanted me to live. 
I want us to be willing to abide in the Holy Spirit and to stay in the place of this and this. But whatever we, we do, we don't sideline ourselves into managing our mediocrity and, and taking care of our business. The fire of God, the Holy Spirit, keeps us in a place of being baptized with fire so that we understand that we have a purpose. And that purpose, that purpose isn't always lofty, it starts here. Like, it starts right here. I'm struggling, Father, with my marriage. And so Jesus, I know that it's mostly my spouse's fault. You needed to go down on that one. You pick him up, hit him again. Lord, it's, it's, I know that I have some stuff. Let the fire of God impact me in such a way that I, I, it's undeniable, not to them, but to me, me first. I need to see it in myself. I, I have watched marriages. I've seen things happen where, where in one weekend, I've, I've had, we've had wives, Donna and I have had wives, they, they'll come to us and say, something that happened to my husband. What do you mean? Well, I said to him yesterday, where's my husband? What have you done with him? Why, what do you mean? He came home and he was a different person. No, he's the person who God created him to be, but the fire, something hit him and transformed him. And something was burned out of him. The refiner's fire came. And, and the, next, the next thing that the Holy Spirit does is he, he gives people purpose. Because then the wife is like, oh my gosh, he was on the parking team. <laughs> my husband was on the parking team. No, Pastor Doug, you don't understand. We have come late to church for four years so that he didn't have to talk to anybody. And this Sunday, he said he wanted to be on the parking team. You see, it, it, is, it is a personal thing. It's something that's very real. Number one. Nine thirty, ten thirty, forty-five. 30, 45. Hold on. 30, 30. Offering. Okay. Number one. Abiding in the Holy Spirit sets you apart. Thessalonians chapter 2, um, the last half of verse 13. God chose you as his first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. The sanctifying work of the Spirit. Sanctification, we like to think of as being set apart. That's the definition. But the question is not, See, here's what the body of Christ does. The body of Christ thinks of sanctification as getting all the bad stuff out. Sanctification is getting all the right stuff in. Sanctification is not setting you apart from something. It's setting you apart to something. And so many times we miss this in the church because we get caught up in all this work stuff and we start judging each other on how we look or act or speak. 
and we want the, you need to get sanctified, brother. You need to get sanctified, brother. Okay, well, sanctification is not about works. It's about purpose. So setting apart, not just from, but setting apart too, because I'll tell you this right now. Anyone who does not discover what they are set apart to will never have a reason to be set apart from. And the church will become, an, an, a, you, they won't understand the church. They won't understand why we're doing anything. And then ultimately they look at the church and they consider us all hypocrites. Because they see us wanting someone else to be set apart from, but they don't see, I don't see, I don't see you being set apart to anything. Number two, the Holy Spirit builds us up. Romans chapter eight, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through word, wordless groans. Sometimes the best prayers are in groans and not words. The Holy Spirit knows, knows what you, you feel. I've seen people cry and weep, both in joy and in sadness, crying out to God, you know that that is the most articulate prayer that God may have ever heard us pray. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So if, if you're weak in an area, you need to know that the Holy Spirit in you wants to help you and build you up and strengthen you. And when you don't know how to pray, you just close your eyes and you let the Holy Spirit take over. Now, there are several expressions of that. One of them is a personal prayer language. It's the Greek word glossolalia for speaking in tongues. And I know that a lot of people, um, you know, of course, that's part of the fire that's being set apart in 80% of the Christianity in the world today. That, that's where a revival is coming from that, that theology, hands down. So part of it is, is being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and praying. Uh, the Bible calls it an unknown tongue, and it says that when you pray in tongues, you, you edify. You, God's edifying you. You're edifying. You know, God, God knows what you need, but sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just, I'm going to close my eyes. Have you ever had been through such a tough season that you actually don't know what to say? Have you ever been in a spot where you don't want to talk anymore? I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And so you sit in silence and close your eyes, and you just say in your heart, God, I need you. That's prayer. But the Holy Spirit is there to work through you because he knows you and uh, he wants to help you. Number three, the Holy Spirit helps you in life, in the big picture of life. John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, an advocate to help you and will be with you forever. Now that word advocate is an interesting word because most of the time it's translated as comforter. The comforter will come. It's like we're always on a bad day. Have you talked to the comforter today? I need the comforter. It's actually not comfort. The Greek word means helper. So what do you need help with? Because sometimes it's getting through something tough, but the other times it's I need help because I'm in the middle of something good and I need you to not let me screw it up. Anybody been there before? No, it's not just comfort, the comforter. I've heard so many messages, honestly, and I've been a Christian almost 30 years. I've probably heard 30 messages on how the Holy Spirit is the comforter to help you when you're in a bad, and you're having a bad day. No, it's help. 
He's your advocate. He goes before God and represents you to God. He's your helper. He's your initiator. Um, in any situation in life. And the last one I'll do here, number four, the Holy Spirit empowers us for our calling. Now, for those of you who do not know Acts chapter one, verse 38, or Acts chapter one, verse eight, um, Acts chapter one, verse eight is the key verse in the entire book of the book of Acts. 28 chapters, beginning with the ascension of Jesus, and ending with Paul in prison, where he wrote five books of the Bible from prison. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, but you, everyone say me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now I want you to remember this, we already have the Holy Spirit in us, but there's some times where the Holy Spirit just comes on you. Comes on you and you will be witnesses to me this is the Greek word for martyr, because remember the day. And also please remember that over 100,000 people will be martyred for their relationship with Christ this year around the world. It's the word, in other words, it could be said like this, and I'm gonna give you the spirit to lay your life down. You've gotta go all in. The spirit goes all in on you you go all in on the Spirit and watch how God begins to move. Lay your life down in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. One, the closest, a little farther away, a little farther than that, and then the whole world. It's in order for a reason. And, and this, is, this is the outline because it starts with them dealing with Jerusalem and in the end, Paul is actually imprisoned in Rome and one of the nicknames, quote unquote, the nickname for Rome because of what it represented, they called Rome the end of the earth. That was, its, that was kind of a, a layman's term for Rome. So, but if you can't reach your Jerusalem, how are you gonna reach the rest of the world? In other words, if you can't reach the people that are the closest to you, what makes us think we're gonna reach the, because isn't it easier to fly on a plane and go tell somebody else about Jesus? That's a lot easier and much more exciting and Instagrams really well than to invite your friends and family to Easter. Because we'll avoid the invitation, but we'll spend $3,000 on a missions trip to go preach to people who don't speak English. How tough is that? Just get a translator. I don't even know. Let, I never have to see them again. Jesus loves you. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm trying to say that, that revival, the fire, you, fire never goes from the outside in. Fire always moves from the inside out. You see a forest fire up in the mountains, you light a spark, somebody drops a match, whatever it is, on one little piece of grass, and it begins to move from here to here to here to hear, and, and then in the natural, we try to contain it, but in the spiritual, we just have to be willing to light this right here and watch it move. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to know today. Abide in the Holy Spirit, in the knowledge that He is with you now, and He will be with you for the rest of your life, and as long as we throw 
fuel on that fire, he will be faithful to consume it and to see us fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. Can I hear an amen? Can you stand to your feet with me this morning and let me pray for you? And uh, once again, first service never feels the pressure of me being late. It's the second service. Uh, but you know what? Revival's happening. Who cares about the second service? Uh, you're much more sanctified than they are anyways. So, uh, just, just bow your heads with me. Jesus, I'm, I'm so humbled. I'm, I'm so humbled at the atmosphere of faith. And Lord Jesus, I just, I just know that you're setting, you're setting us on fire. I just know that God's residing in us, but that God is also taking the things that are unprofitable in us and burning them away. But, but that fuel, that thing that is burning is actually here to fuel our purpose. Lord, we're like a steam engine. We're like a, a forest fire that started with one small blade of grass. And Lord, whatever we give to you, you are faithful to burn it and turn it into energy and fire and testimony for what you've called us to do. Father, I pray that we would abide in the Holy Spirit. So this morning, here's how I'm going to pray, because I believe that as the year goes by this year, we're going to have, we're going to see some wonderful things happen through the Holy Spirit. I think that God is raising the level of the Holy Spirit. I think that God is preparing us to enter into a new season of revival and know what that is. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just lift your hands with me. And if you've never lifted your hands before in the Bible, it's just the idea that we're giving everything up. The Bible says, lift up holy hands, set apart hands, right? Jesus, I pray that you fill us with the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would come and baptize us with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Jesus, that the fires of personal revival would burn bright and hot. I pray, Lord, that the dutimous power of God would come on us as we believe for miracles and for God's name to be lifted up like a banner in our city. I pray, Jesus, that we would burn bright with the fires of revival for our own city, our own state. I pray, Lord, that we would see God move in special ways. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would set us ablaze for your purposes. And I pray that we would experience things that would, no one would ever be able to take away. I pray, God, that we would be transformed from the inside out. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace and for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of the kingdom of God today and what you're doing on this planet. Lord, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise. Jesus, now, now church, eyes closed, just hands lifted. Listen, if you're here this morning and you have something in your life that you want God to just burn out of you and you want to use it, put it on the fire to fuel what God's called you to do, lift your hands nice and tall up to God to, this morning and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, Lord Jesus, take it all, burn it up take it away and use it for your kingdom father today thank you Jesus thank you Holy Spirit for forgiving me of all my sin take it burn it use it in Jesus name in Jesus name now I need you to clap your hands and tell God that you love him
Come on, lift your hands and let's sing this song as we wrap this up.